Hey, welcome back. We've got another episode because we saw another movie. We sure did. Yeah. Uh, what is it that we went to see? We saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, the new film from Martin Scorsese. The new long film from long Martin Scorsese. Uh, yeah, he has really fallen in love in recent years with uh, just letting his runtime go as long as he damn well wants. Um because, yeah, I mean, not a lot of people talk about this. I feel like there are certain movies that are, like, infamous for being three hours long. And then there are other movies that are also three hours long, but no one seems to care. Everybody yeah. knows that the Lord of the Rings movies are three hours long. Everybody freaked out when Endgame was three hours long. But no one talks about Django Unchained being three hours long. No one talks about Wolf of Wall Street being three hours long. There's, you know, definitely several others. But then, I, I feel like three hours is kind of your limit. Like, yeah. Like, don't go over three hours. Mm -hmm. um, pretty sure Oppenheimer was probably somewhere around there. I think it was exactly three hours, probably wasn't it? Probably something like that, yeah. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon and Irishman, Martin Scorsese's last two movies, have been three and a half hours. This one was three hours and 26 minutes, to be exact. Yeah. Uh, Irishman is 329, I believe. So Irishman is slightly longer. Um, you know, I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing that I looked at the runtime before we saw it. Because I would have gone in just blind. Oh, really? I was... But I probably would have also had a lot to drink with my popcorn. Yep. And had to pee during this three and a half hour movie. Yeah, I because of how long his recent movies are, I was expecting it to be long, but I too glanced real quick right before going to see it, and I was like, okay, it is that long, okay. Um, that being said, though, I didn't hate that it was this long. Yeah, I, I actually quite enjoyed the slow burn. Mm-hmm like dramatic pacing of it mm -hmm. i felt like that really helped the story honestly yeah and i feel like with how long it is it is a movie that if you said you know that one was three and a half hours i'd be like yeah okay that seems yeah, about right it felt like three and a half hours whereas with <laughs> other movies i feel like with django unchained and wolf of wall street when you're like that's a three hour movie i'm like really dang that thing moved like, it feels like it told three hours worth of story in mm -hmm. three hours. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon kind of feels like it told three hours worth of story in three and a half hours. Yeah. Maybe even less I don't know that, that like, it needed to yeah. be three and a half. Um, however, that also allows your conversations to just feel real. Yeah. It's two people just conversing and having... i think that's something that scorsese does well in his movies yeah and i think that there are a lot of movies that because they're so concerned with runtime and keeping it as short as possible so as not to annoy audiences their conversations are much snappier yeah. mm -hmm. um i've been uh recently rereading the uh, harry potter books and every time i think about the harry potter movies all those conversations are very, here's information. Here's my response. Here's my rebuttal. Here's my, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, snap back. And then we move on to the next scene. Here's my information. Here's, and it's just that same 
Like, dialogue, dialogue in response, more dialogue, more dialogue in response, and we're done. Next conversation. And it's just, it's so quick, so you don't really feel any of it. Yeah. It's just the con- the um, plot has now been communicated to you through dialogue. And with Killers of the Flower Moon, I feel like it's very much like, this person says something, and that person, you see them internalize it. It registers. Mm-hmm. They react. It lets you marinate. And then they respond. Yeah. And all of that. There's so many moments where everything people are communicating with each other is big news, is yeah. big information. And so it shouldn't just be like, this guy died. Dang. It's yeah. like, this guy died. What? Oh, no. Oh, how? Oh, my gosh. No. And you get to see that mm-hmm. whole uh, you know, the response to the death of a friend, the death of a relative and stuff, and then also the response to the death of that member of the community, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and So, so yeah, for I, those of our listeners who don't know what this movie is mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 1920s is when this is set uh, with the Osage Indian tribe, which is in Oklahoma. Is it? Uh-huh. I had no you didn't idea. Know that? I knew um, it was flat and there was an oil <laughs> there was a lot of oil. It is based off of a book, which I'm very intrigued to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, the land is basically an oil field, mm-hmm. uh, which led the Osage tribe to becoming very wealthy, um, which led to, you know, white people coming in and wanting some of the wealth for themselves. Freaking um, white people. White people are the worst. They, man, as a white Especially person. in this movie. You really yeah, hate the white people in this yeah, movie. I, but basically it follows the story of this tribe and murders that happen mm-hmm. as uh, white people try to get the wealth for themselves. Mm. And for a long time, these murders are not investigated at all. Yeah. Um, until one of the members of the tribe goes to Washington and basically demands from the president that they send the FBI out to investigate, which they do. Uh, And so you get to follow the whole story. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of the backstory. Yeah. And and then having to watch, having to watch like the um, white community have to kind of uh, react to, oh man, we're not getting away with this without rebuttal or you know, without any consequence. Mm-hmm. We now have to be either more careful or stop killing our fellow men. Like It's right? just insane. Yeah. And it takes you time. through some, some twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting uh, how well it was able to uh, just kind of let you know, like, someone got killed. And I was more focused on the, oh, no, they got killed. And then way later in the movie, it was like, do you, do you want me to tell you who killed them? Because it was so-and-so. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked that we got that piece much later. Yeah. I also will give a warning to those who may be a little squeamish. There is one of the murders in particular um, that involves people being blown up with dynamite. Mm -hmm. Um, And as they pick up a dead body, 
basically the whole back of the head just squelches out onto the ground. Yeah. So... Which I was... Like, I'm still very uh, interested to find out how that one person died. Because, like, the house exploded. But that one person was, like, serenely placed. Yes. Like, everything around them and the front of them looked fine. And so when the back of the head did that, I was like, oh. Yeah. What? And the movie never really goes back and is like here's the reason why it looked the way it looked. And so I'm kind of just left with this. Is that just like a crazy, like what are the odds that that person landed that way and everything around them was perfect? And like, okay. Yeah. So So before we get into any like spoilers, do you recommend people see this movie? Uh, Yes. Not across the board. This is not a movie for everyone. This Um, is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. This is very Scorsese. Yes. Scorsesean, if you will. Uh, From the guy who brought you Goodfellas, from the guy who brought you Taxi Driver, from the guy who brought you The Departed, things like that. Um, It's, I wouldn't say it hits as hard as some of his previous films, but... It definitely feels like it was made by that it's guy. It's definitely R-rated. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, it's definitely more gruesome, but in general, R-rated. This is nowhere near Wolf of Wall Street. Correct. Wolf of Wall Street, from start to finish, is working hard to earn its R. Yes. This, uh, there's a lot in it that i was like oh okay you just you're not going to show any more blood than that all right cool i guess uh, not that i'm going into scorsese films like hoping for gruesome but at the same time there were a few times where it uh there was just kind of uh, one person gets shot and then other people run off and that was it. And I was like, yeah. okay, you you know you're you've already got the R rating. Like you could have, you know, yeah, embellished it more <laughs> if you wanted. Um, so, yeah. So with that being said, I think we're gonna put up the spoiler warning. Yeah. And um, dive in oh, real quick. Uh, just a little bit more of the uh, like recommendations. It's definitely getting nominated for best picture. So if you yes, care... yes, we're definitely expecting multiple oscar mm-hmm. noms um, i don't know i we'll see how the noms shake out to see if we expect any wins but yeah um but yeah so if you care about being well versed in what's nominated this year you're gonna need to see you this you need to see this yeah um i so... fully expect leonardo dicaprio to mm-hmm. get a best actor nomination yeah. i would expect robert de niro to probably get a supporting actor nomination mm-hmm. I would expect Lily Gladstone to get a actress in a leading role nomination. Yeah, I... Do you not think she will? I could see that being considered supporting actress. Who would be the lead actress in that movie? Well, not all movies have a lead actor and a lead actress. Okay. It's just like... So you're not debating 
that she will get an arm. You just she, don't know if it would be lead or supporting. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure if that character will constitute lead or supporting as a character, but does she deserve a nom? Hell Absolutely. yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Um, I think there's... cinematography would also yeah. be a nom. Yeah. I, I, there were several moments in this movie where I was like, that's a gorgeous shot. That's a gorgeous shot. Mm-hmm. And then other times where I was like, that right there, I don't understand how you got that. Like, what? <laughs> There's a quite a long sequence, uh, which I believe is um, featured in the trailers, but there's fire elements in the like foreground, but we're looking at people far in the background past the fires. And so it's like... I not a close it's definitely not a close-up but it's like a a zoomed in shot of people that you're viewing through heat distortion Mm -hmm. but you're also seeing fire in the foreground of the shot it i i would be very interested to see if they just captured that in camera with exactly what you see in the scene or if they had to do some creative like hold a fire element here and place that there um that was a very interesting shot just to collect into a camera yeah um so yeah definitely cinematography um it's it's difficult for me to uh pick up on it during but i feel like this probably had a pretty damn good soundtrack yeah i was wondering like if because I also wasn't really paying attention mm-hmm. to like the sound mixing and sound design and all of that while we were watching it. Um, but I would be interested to see, oh, obviously another nom that it's going to get. I think Martin Scorsese is going to get nominated for Best, Best Director. Director. Yeah. Which there are certain things I feel like at this point, if Martin Scorsese were to make a really bad movie, there's still a good chance he would get nominated for Best Director. Like there, yeah. there are certain people where... As soon as they're in the running, they're nominated. Yeah. The, like, I wouldn't say if he made a really bad movie. Obviously, you know, if he made a truly true piece of shit, then they would take that into account. But I feel like there are certain directors that as long as they're, as as long as they come to the game. They're getting a they're, they're getting put at bat. Which, you know? I mean, Nolan and Oppenheimer which that's another one i think oppenheimer and killers of the flower moon are going to be the two big Mm -hmm. names Um, for the oscars yeah which i'm i'm happy to be able to say that because although he's a very famous name and stuff like that a lot of the movies that nolan has made throughout his career have not been obvious oscar contenders you know i mean Obviously, you know, your Dark Knight Rises and and things like that, they'll be nominated for probably maybe score or uh, best um, special effects, things Mm -hmm. like that. But outside of Dark Knight, like Dark Knight, it was shocking that that got nominated for best picture. Uh, I believe Dunkirk got nominated. It did. Um, I think... I, I don't have a list in front of me of uh, 
Nolan's films that have been nominated for Best Picture, but Oppenheimer is clearly going to be nominated, and that is not a um obvious like it's not obvious just because it's a Nolan film. Like Killers of the Flower Moon will obviously be nominated, and the reason it's obvious is it's Scorsese. Right. But Christopher Nolan's name does not carry that same weight. And so I'm really happy to be able to talk about Nolan this year with a, there is not a doubt in my mind, he's going to get nominated for A, B, and C. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the nominations are and who they're against. mm -hmm. Because also in the category for Best Director, if Greta Gerwig doesn't get nominated... It's a huge slight against, or what's the word? I don't know. Snub. Which I'm not sure about that one. Like, it's rare. It's borderline unheard of to be nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, things like that, for comedies. I agree. But and looking at what she did. Right. But if we're just looking at um, films that are groundbreaking. Groundbreaking is not enough to win you an Oscar or win you even a nomination. Star Wars was groundbreaking. A New Hope did not get nominated for Best Picture that year. Oh, I'm not saying Barbie would get Um, nominated for Best Picture. Okay. But I do think Greta Gerwig deserves a directing nom. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to see, you know, if she is included in that list. Um, we digress. We should be yeah. talking about Killers of yeah. the Flower Moon. Um, we'll definitely do a full Oscar oh, rundown yeah, episode obviously. in a couple months when when, when those get announced. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio... Uh, did a great job performance-wise. He um, did. I, I feel like for a lot of people, it wasn't uh, like a shocking amount. But the, uh, I don't know if it was prosthetic teeth on Leo, but the underbite. Well, the underbite, but like his his uh, like front and center top teeth are not good looking chompers. No, they are not. Um, Leo does not uh, play an attractive man in this movie. No. Um, and so, yeah, like, I'm, I'd be interested to see what kind of recognition this gets for makeup and things like mm-hmm. that. Because I think everyone looked very good and very um, time period accurate. Period accurate. Um, but... Uh, the I, I wouldn't say anyone had like a crazy good piece of prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this wasn't uh, Colin Farrell playing Penguin. Yeah. In in the Batman, that was insane good makeup. It wasn't Brendan Fraser in a fat suit. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of which, though, mm-hmm. I did not realize he was going to be in this movie. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew he was going to be in this. Uh, there were I, a. T- ton of big names in this movie yeah yeah i mean which it's scorsese 
That's like, true. But damn. Yeah. Scorsese's, we were talking about this a couple days ago. Um, there are certain directors who are able to become successful enough that they can pretty much just say, I'm working on a movie who wants in. And everyone in Hollywood goes, oh my gosh, I would love to work under the great director so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Or you have great directors who are able to, you know, convince one guy to be in their movie. And then they're able to go, hey, do you want to be in my movie? I have this guy. And they're like, oh, I would love to act alongside the great so-and-so. And then there's times where it's a combination of both. you know, uh, Or it's um, the one great actor that's like, hey, you're my friend. Come be in this movie with me. Yeah. Um, and so there are many Scorsese films that feature De Niro. Mm-hmm. There are now several that feature uh, Leo. Leo. And so I feel like when he's... When Scorsese comes forward and he's like, hey, making a movie, I'm going to have Leo and I'm going to have De Niro, who wants in? A lot of people are like, yeah, I would love to have my name attached to the same project as Scorsese, DiCaprio, and De Niro. I hope this does good things for Lily Gladstone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought she did a fantastic job. She really did, yeah. Um, And... I haven't seen her in anything else. Yeah. I yet. know uh, we have not watched Reservation Dogs yet, right. which I've heard great things about. And I know she's in that. Mm. But other than that, she doesn't have a huge filmography. Yeah. Um, another actor that I was very happy to see in this was uh, John Lithgow. Yes. John Lithgow. I didn't know he was going to be in it either. Yeah, I did know he would be in it. Um, but I had He's forgotten. one, like, I know his voice. Mm-hmm. Because in this movie, you heard his voice before you saw his face. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, shit. Lithgow's in this. And for me, it was, oh, that's right. Because he does appear in some trailers. Um, Clearly, I didn't pay attention. Um, but yeah, John Lithgow, I feel like I grew up seeing him in stuff. You know, yeah. Hearing him as... Third as, Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Uh, Farquad in mm-hmm. Shrek. Things like that. And then... All of a sudden, he was in uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And for yeah. me, that was sort of a the moment where I was like, he is now one of the names connected to one of my favorite films of all time. And yeah. then uh, we got to see him in um, Bombshells, Bombshells, which is horrifically difficult Oh, to my watch. gosh. Um, it was hard to watch him in that role. Yeah. Which because he killed he's, it. He's oh, so he did good fantastic. At it. But John Lithgow, at least for me, was always like a lovable, mm-hmm. obviously Farquaad is an asshole, but you don't you know. see John Lithgow. Yeah. And I mean, he's an asshole, but he's an asshole you can watch. But it's like, he's so lovable in most of his other roles. Mm-hmm. So seeing him play that character in Bombshell was jarring. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, although it was nice to see him and Brendan Fraser in these roles um i feel like those are both interesting enough actors that i would have liked to have seen them in larger slots in the movie either either have them play more important characters or allow those two lawyers to be present in the story more yeah i think we were a good 
two and a half hours in mm-hmm. before they even were on screen. Yeah. And there there was at least one moment where uh, the way Brendan Fraser delivers a line is so, I don't know if direct, but like so flat in its deliverance that it was almost comical. It was comical for some people, but uh, there's a moment where he's uh, pointing at Leonardo DiCaprio and out of nowhere, kind of, he says, stupid boy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so flat. It felt like a conscious decision. I think it was. Which. I feel like an actor like that wouldn't. Yeah. Like phone that in. Yeah. Especially in a Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Like. But it, it felt so like sort of out of place that it was almost kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It but, was funny. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, if you're going to get Brendan Fraser and he's only going to be in the movie for this small amount of time, why give him the weirdly flat line? That makes the yeah. ratio of his lines that are performed with a weird shallowness way too high um you know who i've really started to enjoy that was in this movie who jesse plemons oh jesse plemons is great he he's really um, i think he was first on my radar in game night okay which is absolutely hilarious and if you Mm -hmm. haven't watched it watch it um i think that's where i first kind of noticed him i don't know what for me, I saw Breaking Bad way earlier than you. And so oh, for me... Oh, yeah. For me, for a very, very long time, as soon as he's on screen, he's... Uh, what's his name? Blake or something? From Breaking Bad. And um, so then I feel like, similar to Giancarlo Esposito... Todd. 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 Similar to Giancarlo Esposito, he would get these roles... And it almost kind of felt like they were winking at the audience because clearly the audience knew them from Breaking Bad. Like, you know how Giancarlo Esposito constantly plays a villain now? And they don't really need to write a good villain. They don't need to make sure their villain is written well. They just need to know they cast Giancarlo Esposito and the whole audience will go, well, that makes it a great villain because I've seen Breaking Bad. And with Jesse Plemons, it's like, clearly this guy's creepy because he's Todd from Breaking Bad. Which, I feel like it worked better for Jesse Plemons because just writing a guy to be creepy and being like, he's creepy because he's weird in another thing. Cool, cool, that's fine. Especially in comedies like Game Night. With things like Giancarlo Esposito where it's like, isn't the villain in Mandalorian the best thing ever? Because we cast the guy from Breaking Bad. Eventually I got to this point where I was like, he's not that well written. He's kind of boring. Just because it's Giancarlo Esposito. And even though he's doing a great job performing your lines, you're not writing very good freaking lines for him. So I digress. I'll get off of (laughs) attacking Mandalorian. But um, yeah, Jesse Plemons. And then uh, I feel like there were several things in this movie that felt similar to the flavor of Power of the Dog. And I was like, this is taking that same landscape and 
using it better. And making it interesting. This is taking that same time period and giving me a better story. This is taking Jesse Plemons and having him play a more interesting dude. Like, Gosh, I hated Power of the Dog. I hated Power of the Dog. That movie sucked balls, dude. Um, and this movie, like visually, there's so much in common. Yeah. But it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one thing that we haven't uh, touched on at all yet. So this movie, we were able to get into a pre-screening for it, but it's going to be in theaters for, I think, three weeks? Something like that? I haven't heard any like solid time frame okay but i know they are doing theatrical before it lands on apple tv plus yeah so it is an apple tv plus film like before the first logo that comes on the screen is the apple tv plus it is. logo um however because it's going to be obviously an oscar contender and it is a big film it's being given a theatrical release which I dig. I like Same. the concept. I'm I'm still very, very glad that you and I were able to go see Marriage Story on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So those moments when a streaming service is like, we have a movie that we're making. It's going to be exclusive to us, but we're going to put it on the big screen. I dig that. Yes, because we are theater people. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, a an aspect to the experience of taking in a movie for the first time that... A theater can't be uh, can't be replicated at home. I agree. That's why we've never watched Quiet Place. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the theater. Um, yeah. I will say the the worry that I always have because sorry, I just got distracted. There's a really cute dog outside our window. Oh. Okay. Cut this out. Um, the worry that I always have because the threat that is always there is um, inbred douchebags that take out their phones in theaters. If you're listening to this podcast and you regularly take out your phone in a theater, maybe consider not going to the theater or going out in public ever because everyone hates you. And if people don't hate you, they should hate you. And if they refuse to start hating you because you take your phone out in theaters, they're also terrible people. And I wish all of you would move to an island somewhere and stay there forever. I feel like we talk about this on almost every episode about how theater etiquette has yeah. just gone downhill. Yeah. I, and the, the concept, the thing that's like shocking to me, every time I see a cell phone get taken out, they always, there's something about their body language. They think they're being sneaky. It's a glowing screen. Yeah. In a dark theater. Yeah, you're in a pitch black room, and you really think I won't be able to see your glowing LED but screen? Also, I know you have brightness turned all the way down. It's still glowing from a space that should be pitch black. Here's the thing that baffles my mind, though. We got into a pre-screening. Yeah, that was one thing that I was... Pre-screening. I was disappointed with this one. We have now gotten into a couple different pre-screenings. And before they start the movie, they make an announcement. Hey, guys, turn off your cell phones. We're going to have security. If we see a cell phone, we got to ask you to leave. Sometimes they'll be like, we'll give you one warning and then you're out. But there is that verbal threat that's made. Like, hey, guys, for this one, 
don't have your phones out. But even then, like, every movie you go to, at a, at least Megaplex, I know it's also done at AMC theaters, but there's that video they play right before your movie that's like, if it buzzes, or if it talks, or whatever, take it outside. Turn it off. Turn it yeah. off. Like, that's, that's a serious thing. And if... If you take it out and no one says anything, that doesn't mean you got away with it. That doesn't mean no one noticed. That, that means, just means people are silently yeah, hating you. People hate you, but they don't have, you know, maybe you haven't been egregious enough for someone to be like, dude, come on. Anyways, we digress. We digress. Just, yeah, Stop if you go to theaters and you take your cell phones out, a you're theater. a bad person, and that's not up for debate. That's fact. Um,. Yeah, there have been a few times we've like gone to theaters with friends and they've taken phones out. And I'm like, oh no, don't be that person. And yeah, and it sucks. Yeah. Or people will like send us photos and they're like, look what we're finally seeing. And I'm like, there's no way you could have gotten that photo without having a phone out during a movie. Ah! And so, yeah, I really want to like, you know, respond to a text and be like, don't be a bad person anymore. That's why um, I have not made an effort to go see the Taylor Swift eras oh movie. Oh my gosh. The videos because, coming out of those theaters Oh my are gosh. Horrifying. I like I get that it's a concert and it's fun, but mm-hmm. just the theater etiquette snob in me mm-hmm. I don't think could handle people having their phones out and dancing and no. I I I'm also just not a Swifty, so mm-hmm. this movie was not made for me. The one thing about the uh, Taylor Swift era's tour movie thing that uh, I, I sort of almost give it a pass, it kind of feels like because it is um, a movie made out of a concert, and it almost feels like uh, the entire audience is treating it in a certain way. It almost feels like um, the screenings of like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show or Clue. I once went to a screening of Clue that was treated like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I know that Rocky Horror Picture Show is the one that kind of made that experience famous. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, like as the movie's playing, people will dress up and like reenact it in the court. It's... It's, it's a crazy concept. I've never actually been to one. I've never actually seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Me it neither. It sounds bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, so I kind of feel like the Eras Tour movie is almost tapping into or um, sort of riding an in-between line of those two types of theater going experiences, if that makes sense. Anyways, and I'm not like several times saying now. that you can't go and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's not my cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Go be a Swifty. Go live your best era. Yeah. Make bracelets and dress in sparkly shirts. Yeah. It's fine. Um, we have digressed so much. We've digressed at least <laughs> four times. It's crazy. Um, it's almost like you have ADD or something. Dude, can you imagine if I finally got ADHD medication and I started an episode? I'd just be like... It'd be five and a half minutes long. The movie was good. Go see it. Bye. Hey, everybody. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I love movies and TV shows and video games and comics so much. 
I sure wish I had more awesome toys and collectibles that I could decorate my home with. Well, guess what? I got you covered. There's a magical place called Blast from the Past. It's in Burbank, California. 3117 West Magnolia Boulevard, to be exact. You're going to want to go in, pick out a bunch of stuff, make sure it's all awesome. You're going to take it to the front counter, you're going to pay for it, and boom! Now you own it. That shit's yours. Legally. Your wildest dreams have just come true. Congratulations. Now you may be thinking, but, 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 but what if I don't live in or near Burbank, California? Don't worry about that. The people over at Blast in the Past have thought of you people too. Do you have the internet? Of course you have the internet. You're a person, not some self-important anti-technology pro-magic like wizard or something. Remember how mean everybody was about Colin Creevy just running around with a normal ass camera? And then it saved his life from a basilisk, so yeah, lay off a of Colin Creevy. Anyways, go on the internet. Go to blastfromthepast.tv. Browse their website. See something you like? Buy it. They discovered how to harness the power of the U.S. postal system. They're good at it. They'll send you your awesome new toys, swag, etc. And once again, that's now yours. Legally. Spiritually. Metaphysically. Anyways, stop by Blast from the Past. Either in person or on the internet. It's what your soul's been craving. And, just to sweeten the deal even more, guys, you're not going to believe this. When I reached out to the fine, fine folks at Blast from the Past, guess what they said to me? They said, if a single one of you so much as goes into Blast from the Past and has the audacity to mention the real couple, guess what? They're walking away with a free magnet. Are you kidding me? As soon as they said it, I couldn't believe my ears. Okay, so they texted me. I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe which, whichever lobe of my brain processes information. It's crazy, all right? Walk into Blast from the Past, mention the real couple, you're getting a free magnet. Are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Why aren't you already there? Get over there, kids. Get over there, adults. Get over there, preteens, teens, all the rest of you. Everybody, go to Blast from the Past right now. Do it or else. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about with... Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't even know. I, so something I appreciated was before the movie started, we got a little clip from Scorsese yeah. basically thanking the audience for coming to see it and giving us a little backstory about how he worked very closely with the tribe to make sure that he was telling this story in a correct and a respectful way, uh, which... I mean, obviously any director can get on and say that. I felt like that was true with this movie. Um, and I really appreciated that because I feel like the uh, Indian tribes here in the States have dealt with centuries of misinformation and all of that shit that... I feel like this is kind of their time to shine and to have their stories told accurately. Um, Again, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I'm really intrigued to read the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I have it on a hold, but the hold is like 12 weeks long. So 
Um, one, I, I know we talked about this a while ago, but real quick, we uh, we were talking about the cinematography and how there's a few shots that are just like really, really good. Yeah. There's one at the very beginning where oil starts spraying out of the ground and these Native Americans are like dancing in it and it's slow motion and you can see this oil just like hitting their skin and like bouncing off and so you can see it like falling through the air as well as splashing off their skin and like their braids that shot also and that's another one of those that was like you cut to slow motion and then you still let that last for like 30 seconds there are several things in this movie where i can point to and be like that led to a long run time that led to a long run time and i didn't i'm not mad about it like I said, that shot is gorgeous. But I can tell that if you wanted to keep it, you know, mm-hmm. under three hours. Those are the shots that would get there, cut. Yeah, there are clearly areas where an editor could have been like, oh yeah, I have so much excess in here. I can easily take stuff out. But the editor didn't have to. He yeah. was like, can we make it like three and a half hours long? And they were like, sure. And he was like, cool. Then I'm going to hold on shots like this and this and this. And I think that's a great thing about these movies that are made for streaming services Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. they don't have to abide by these unwritten rules of run times. Yeah. I'm glad we saw this on the big screen. Um, And yeah, so earlier we were talking about how uh, do I recommend this movie? Yes. It's very good. Um, I, For certain people, I do recommend going to see it on the big screen. I don't recommend this movie to everyone, and I don't recommend going to see this movie on the big screen to everyone. You gotta be a very dedicated movie mm-hmm. lover yeah. to enjoy this in the theater. Yeah, I think for most people, watching it on Apple TV Plus at home... So that you can pause done. it when mm-hmm. you have to pee. Yeah. Um, I think that will be fine. So you can break it up so it doesn't yeah. have to feel like, you know, you're chained to your seat for three and a half hours. Yeah. Like, I feel like if there are too many people that are like, oh, yeah, I went and saw that in theater. Oh, my gosh, it's so long. Oh, I'm pretty quickly going to be like, should have waited and watched it at home, dumbass. Yeah. Like, it's your fault. That you didn't like how long it was on the big screen. If yeah. you had waited to see it at home, you wouldn't have had to complain about this. So it's your fault. Like, it's not Scorsese's fault. It, it, whatever. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think as much as I liked seeing it on the big screen, I don't necessarily think that it's like the only way to view it is on the big screen. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain movies. Top Gun Maverick. Get you your gotta ass see to that the on theater, man. Oh, you gotta come on. Avengers Endgame, it, dude. Just spend the extra money. Get the popcorn. Go see it. Make it big. Oh, it's it's Endgame. Killers of the Flower Moon. It's got some great cinematography. Yes. If you don't get around to it on the big screen. I wouldn't say you you're missing out. Yeah, the experience. Um, so yeah, as as much as for us, I would say seeing it on the big screen added to our experience. There are some people I don't think it will add to their experience. No, it would absolutely detract from it. Yeah. 
One thing that I keep thinking about since we've seen it is my love for how the story was structured. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier with how, you know, it talks about the murders. It shows like an up close. And then later down the line, it kind of like zooms out on the situation. Mm -hmm. But I just love that you get the like the close up first. So that gets you invested in it. You get to know the characters, and then you see the bigger picture. Just want to quickly give our listeners one last chance to abort if you want to. Uh, This is your final spoiler warning. We're about to get into a pretty big plot point in about three seconds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because when the movie first started, I did not expect De Niro. Yeah, De Niro. There were hints. Yeah, like... But, like, at the very first, I didn't suspect him. Looking at the trailers... I was like, oh, I wonder if he's kind of the acts nice but isn't really kind of guy. And during the movie, I was like, no, he he seems really like, like, he seems really nice. Like, he's truly looking out for him. Leo was not on my radar. No. I did not think Leo. I thought he was too stupid. Oh, okay. To, like, Um, know what he was doing. Yeah. But damn, he was in it for the long game. Yeah. And I feel like during the early on portions, it feels like we're seeing the story from Leo's perspective Mm -hmm. until it gets later in the movie. And then it kind of feels like we were seeing it through um, the wife's perspective. Molly. Molly's perspective Mm -hmm. that whole time. Um, And I thought that was really interesting and cool. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that every time I think about this movie, I'm like, that was such a weird, interesting thing to show because it felt so historically accurate. But it was also something that I was almost entirely unaware of. And that was that weird, like, radio dramatization of yeah, the murders. the, like, like show? Yeah, almost like, like a live podcast show. Almost like if a live podcast had a baby with the news, the evening news. Yeah. Because it was like... Was that a thing back then? It seemed like it was. It didn't seem like something that Martin Scorsese just came up with, you know? Yeah. It felt like something that occurred back then, but watching three and a half hours how millennial of us to be like obviously live podcasts were what brought that to be (laughs) um but uh yeah seeing these like uh horrific terrible things happen for three and a half hours and then ending with five minutes of and this person then got killed (laughs) and they couldn't find a body where's the body (laughs) like I was sitting there like, did this shit occur? Like, this is such a weird way of doing it. Because it's not just someone being like, and here's a news story. And we're going to tell you about it. They, like, had people, like, and now he's locked in prison. And someone, like, slams shut a little, like, tiny cage door. It was the start of the true crime obsession. Yeah, it it felt like a, a radio play. Yeah. Like, I was watching a radio play get recorded. And then um, it was also interesting seeing Martin Scorsese step forward, but, like, kind of breaking the fourth wall. Because we just recently watched uh, Taxi Driver, 
and Martin Scorsese is in Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. He gets into the taxi, and then there's a little scene with him in it. But he plays a character. In this, he didn't quite come forward, like, enter screen and be like, I'm Martin Scorsese. But he was the only person in the scene not using a period-accurate accent. Yeah. He just used his normal voice. He wore his normal yeah, 21st century clothes. Yeah. And it was it was interesting. And there was no one in the scene going, who's this guy? He's wearing future clothes. So it was kind of this weird, like, he trusts the audience to know what he looks like and who he is. Mm-hmm. And he's going to kind of break the fourth wall and, and almost look, without looking directly into camera, he pretty much looks directly into camera and yeah. goes, this was a messed up thing that happened. And it happened. And it sucks. Good night. Like, yeah. it, it was it was a really, at the end of a scene that I was like, what the hell? It ended on this note that I was like, oh, 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 dang. All right, cool. Yeah, whoa. So, yeah, um, that final scene was almost like mental whiplash in a few ways. It was. Um, and I think a mark of a good movie, at least for me, is one that I'm still thinking about days after I've seen it. Mm-hmm. This is one that I'm still thinking about. Yeah, I feel like there are certain movies that... I didn't see them until long after they came out. And as soon as it ends, I'm like, that was it? Like, that's what everyone freaks out about? And then it takes a few days and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't stop thinking about it. And I feel like this is one that I fortunately was able to see, you know, as soon as it um, came into existence, came into the world. And uh, yeah, there are those, I keep thinking about it. And it's it's really good. Um I remember the first time I saw, like, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. There's no big fight scene. There's... What's the climax of Pulp Fiction? It's, I would say, like... The OD. Um, okay, and that's, like, early in the movie. Or uh, Samuel L. Jackson keeping his cool during a diner stick-up. Yeah. Like, that happens later in the movie uh, I think that might be the very final scene but storyline wise that happens so early in the timeline yeah um, so yeah like I remember finishing that movie and being like it what what was it even about like there was nothing big and then a couple days later I was like I cannot stop thinking about this film. <laughs> and years later, I'm like, there's so much, so many lines of dialogue I remember. It's so good. And you know what movie is like that for me? Hmm. Whiplash. Oh, yes. Whiplash is one. That, that movie ended and I was like, try to forget it. What? Try. I dare you. But you also, can't. it's like, not a lot happens, but mm-hmm. a lot happens. But yeah. like, there's, again, not. I guess there kind of is a climax, but... Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like everything that happens in that movie affects the lives of, like, two people, and that's it. Yes. Whereas something like Reservoir Dogs, there's a bank heist. Mm-hmm. Like, and people die. People get shot, and the police are involved, and there's a shootout. Like, oh, my gosh. And, but yeah, with Whiplash, it's like... And then this guy has, like, you know, PTSD from a teacher. Yeah. 
but then he drums real well. And like, yeah, it ends, and you're like, wait, the, the epic climax was just, he keeps drumming? What? But then, yeah, like a week later, you'll be like, I can't, I can't stop, stop thinking, thinking about, about it. About yeah. it. Like, oh my gosh. Um, I think I'm going to be thinking about Killers of the Flower Moon for a while. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I wish I could say the same about The Irishman. Other than it being long mm-hmm. and being groundbreaking in de-aging mm-hmm. technology and it being about gangsters, I like, or not gangsters, mobsters or... Gangsters, yeah. yeah. Like those early gangsters. Um, yeah, I feel like I remember Goodfellas far better than Irishman. I really liked Goodfellas. Yeah. I hated Taxi Driver. I, yo, I thought Taxi Driver was really bad. But I liked The Departed. Yeah, Departed's great. I think I like Killers of the Flower Moon more than Departed. Than Departed. Oh. Okay. I feel like Departed Here's part is of my so problem, good though. Because it... you know who's telling what lies. And so just that, like, who's going to get caught? When are they going to? Oh, my gosh. Like that. I think part of my problem with Departed is that you hyped it up so much Did for I? me over the years. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's good. Okay. Yeah. And for me, like, even rewatching it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't remember exactly how he gets out of this one. But holy crap, he is dead to rights. Oh, my gosh. Because and... I remember, like, probably four or five years ago, you, like, told me the whole Did I? The whole oh, movie. Oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> Dallas, you dumbass. Um, but yes, so, so Scorsese is not always a success in our book. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like when he's on, he's, he's on. He's great. Yeah. Because yeah. I do love Goodfellas. I do love Departed. I adore Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. That, I, I feel like Wolf of Wall Street is one of the easiest films to rewatch of his. And so I rewatch it. It's really good. Yeah. It's really, like, I feel like uh, Scorsese and DiCaprio do a great job of making me really, really like a really, really bad person. Yes. And and same with uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is also great in that movie. Yes. Like, and it's so, at least back then, it was a very different Jonah Hill performance. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, yeah, I I love a lot of Scorsese. I don't think Killers of the Flower Moon is now my favorite Scorsese, but it's a damn good Scorsese. It is a damn good one, yeah. Um, Do you have anything else to say about it? Um, This episode will so. be posted after we appear yep. on Good Things Utah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be... Reviewing this on Good Things Utah. Yeah. Um, oh, I have a friend whose dad is in this. Yes. That was really cool. Mr. Barry Corbin. Yeah. I, we're watching it and all of a sudden this dude comes on screen. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm decently good friends with this dude's son. Yeah. I'm friends with this guy's wife on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and you leaned over to me and you're like, hey, that's his dad. And I was like coach from one tree hill <laughs> yeah and dallas was like 
Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was cool to see him. So shout out this. to the Corbin family. Yeah. Oh, there's a moment in the uh, courthouse where a guy is confessing to the murder of one of the sisters, and he is so chillaxed about it. And he's like, and then you went back and sat her up, and he's like, yep, sat her up. And then what did you do? I uh, shot her. Where? Top of the head. And like, he's so, like, he doesn't even think he's going to get a slap on the wrist for this. Mm-hmm. Like, it is horrifying. Like, he, it clearly is one of those things where, um, like, these people didn't consider the victims human beings. Yeah. And it's insane. Um, oh, the main brother, uh, Byron. Uh, I know I've seen him in something else, but he does play Jean Grey's father in X-Men Dark Phoenix. Okay. And then I know I saw him in something else because I couldn't place him. And then I finally figured out that's Jean Grey's dad. So I know I've seen him in something, but can't place it. And I think that's all I have to say. Is that all you have to say? It is. Cool, cool. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we will, are we able, we can't post, can we post the link to the, um, Good Things Utah? Yeah, we post it every time. Okay. We will post the link to our Good Things Utah, uh, It'll be on our Instagram stories. Yeah. If you're listening to this the day it's released, we were on this morning. If you are listening to this after we were on before today um on october 20th of 2023 yeah um if you're not following us on instagram follow us on instagram the dot real dot couple if you haven't sent us an email send us an email the real couple pod at gmail.com if you haven't bought one of our shirts go buy one of our shirts we're on Etsy. Just search The Real Couple. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think we're on Apple Podcasts. I know we're on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was a, I think, dot, dot, dot. Oh, here's something to say. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Amazon Music. And we're on Google Podcasts. Is there anything else we need to include no thanks for listening yeah give us a review yeah uh either message us directly or leave a comment on our insta post letting us know what you thought of this movie what you think is going to get nominated stuff like that but i think that's everything that's all she wrote that's all take care guys love you bye bye